Hello everybody and welcome to the very first episode of the Wizards Pod. My name is Jay. And my name is D and together we are JD or DJ, whatever you like. What is this podcast about, D? It is about the Harry Potter movies and we're going to analyze them and we're going to say what we like, what we don't like, what we love, what we hate, <laughs> what we would change. Um, yeah, we're going to analyze all movies, uh, one through eight, because the last one was split in two, so Warner Brothers could make more money. Uh, and we're going to analyze Fantastic Beasts and where to find them as well. Perfect. I'm just going to add one more thing to what you just mentioned. Because the movies are so long, they are on average 2 hours and 30, 2 hours and 40 minutes long. What we decided to do is to split every single movie into 7 parts, roughly 20 minutes each. And every episode of our our podcast is going to correspond to those 20 minutes in that movie. We chose the number 7 because number 7 is key in the wizard the most world. powerful magical number thank you yeah. so we're gonna be doing movie analysis i took a movie a film class in college once and i i almost passed it <laughs> you did pass it what you told me yeah, you, yeah i passed you, it you were a very good student D. sure and <laughs> that makes you you took a class so i think you're a very uh Credible source. Yes, of movie uh, analysis. one could say that. <laughs> and I was a movie maker growing up. Yeah, as true. you know, I directed our own movies in which, in some of which you were a star. <laughs> the only problem was that you never read the lines, and I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> and you still don't. It is raining cats and dogs here. So now that <laughs> D has shut the windows, we are ready to continue with our podcast the first movie in the harry potter series is harry potter and the sorcerer's stone released in 2001 however in any other country other than here in the united states it is known as harry potter and the philosopher's stone and surprisingly the philosopher's stone has nothing to do with philosophy (laughs) (laughs) absolutely no it does not Uh, can you tell us why they decided to change the name of the book and eventually the name of the movie well, Sorcerer's Stone just sounds more appealing to kids, you know, magic, magicians, things like that. And While you think that Philosopher's works? Stone, yeah, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I think the movies and the books were good enough, so they they would sell themselves. So I think if they kept it the same, I think it would have been fine. But yeah. And before we dive into scene one. How old were you when we watched the first movie? We watched the movies first. Not the movies. We watched the first two movies before we read the books. Yeah, so when I watched it, I I watched it for the fun parts, like the three-headed dog (laughs) and the flying broomsticks. I was six, I think, something like that. You were six and I was ten. And I watched it for the chess scene. I liked that as well. There's a chess scene in the end. And we should let the audience know that you are a famous chess player. I'm not a famous chess (laughs) player by any means. (laughs) I am very mediocre at chess. Are you better than Ronald Weasley? No, no, absolutely not. Mm, Okay, well, at least you're honest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So let's continue. Yes, I was was 10 years old. You were six. We We were four years apart. Yeah, you can do the math. But I remember a little bit more, I think, than what you did and you do, what you remember. And this was a time when we still had VHS players. 
the movie had come out two years before we watched it, but when we went to our favorite store where we would buy our uh, movies, our Disney movies, we had run out of movies to buy. We literally owned all the Disney movies that that store had. So what we decided to buy was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And we went home and we played it. We watched it on a Sunday evening. And do you remember what we told each other at the end? Uh, I don't know. Let's watch it again. Yeah, yeah. This that is how good sense. it was. Yep. And the next day you were watching it by yourself before I even got back from school. You were supposed to wait for me. I'm sorry. But you did not. <laughs> so, Are you okay? Are your feelings hurt? I'm still trying to recover all, right. all these years after. Well, let's dive in into scene one of the first 20 minutes of the first movie. Scene one is the one in which we are introduced to Albus Dumbledore, Professor McGonagall, and Rubius Hagrid, two teachers at Hogwarts, and one upcoming future teacher. They were dropping this teeny tiny baby called Harry Potter in the doorstep of Vernon and Petunia. And by the way, how do you leave a kid outside at what I'm assuming is like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning? It's pretty early. You just leave. You just leave him. Yeah. Just drop him. Good well, things that coyotes didn't take him. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it would have been a short, a short series. <laughs> <laughs> you survived. You survived. You're the first. You're the boy who lived. That's yeah. the name of the first chapter. Yeah. You survived. The boy died. who got eaten by the coyotes <laughs> after surviving <laughs> the killing curse. You survived the killing curse, and he got eaten by the coyote, and that's it. But even then, you know, we'd have gotten a few more uh, things into the book at least, because the book does not start with that scene, does it? Yeah, the book starts with the Dursleys, which it was kind of slow, you know, even when you're reading it. So it's kind of nice, not nice, but, you know, it makes sense why they got rid of it from the movie. But if they made like a series, a multi-part series for each book, I'd want it there. Which, by the way, fun fact, HBO is thinking. Have you, do you know about that? I didn't. Yes, they, HBO. They should, they should get me as a movie critic. <laughs> <laughs> HBO has announced that they are looking into making a Harry Potter series. There is not much details about this. They don't know if they want to redo the movies into a series or if they want to do a prequel or sequel or something. But HBO knows where the money is. Yeah, it's a cash cow. So, and I'm okay with that as yeah. a fan. Yeah, I yeah. more I, Harry Potter, the better. I know. What are your first impressions of this scene? What do you think of it now? What do you think of it then? So the opening in, one. So in the first scene, we get introduced to some of our main characters that follow throughout the whole story, basically. And I really like how the tone is set with the score. Uh, the score was written by John Williams. Fantastic job. And I, I think, like, even... If you heard it anywhere in the world, you'd be able to recognize it. Either way, like from the beginning of the scene, like the tone is set for the movie. It is a little foggy. It is a little bit mysterious. And it tells you that like this could be a good a kid's movie, but it's basically like a mystery novel, which is what all the Harry Potter books are. I agree. And since you mentioned the music theme, here's a fun fact. The same composer also composed the music theme for Home Alone. Okay. And he, the same director that directed the first two Harry Potter movies also directed Home Alone 1 and 2, and that was Chris Columbus. Yeah. In my opinion, I think that was a great choice because even if, you know, you haven't seen Harry Potter ever and you start, but you've seen Home Alone and you start watching it, you see the similarity. 
in the True. sounds, in the setup, and it just gives you the idea of okay, let's embrace into this mystery. It's gonna be great. Yeah, and two I, two classic movies. It was. It, it, I think it did a fantastic job. I don't think it would have the series would have been as successful as it ended up being if it wasn't for Chris Columbus. Yeah, I agree. And we'll talk more about it as we continue with our episodes because, fun fact, uh, or spoiler alert, <laughs> there's gonna be multiple directors not too many but there's gonna be at least four four directors i believe in the harry potter movies until they start sticking with one but we'll talk more about that later great entrance it's very important for a movie to get your interest at the beginning just like it is important for a book to get your attention at the beginning do you remember the first line in the harry potter book i i don't maybe i do i don't mr and mrs dursley were of number four, Privet Drive, were perfectly normal people. Thank you very much. I may get it wrong, but I know that it ends with thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a, it's a cool line. It, 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 it's such a, such a short line, yet it tells you that something mysterious is about to happen. They're not as normal if, it, if, you're, if you're putting sure, it that way. Sure. And J.K. Rowling did, as we know, a fantastic job. Now, in the first scene... What Albus Dumbledore does, this is the, probably the first piece of magic we, magic we ever witness in, in this movie, is turn off the lights in Privet Drive using his Deluminator, an invention of his own making. What bothers me, especially after watching it yesterday in preparation for this podcast, is that the Deluminator, yes, it may make it slightly dark, but it will not really prevent the muggles from hearing what's going on, right? Hagrid comes down with a motorbike and it, he lands pretty loud. Yeah, I mean, we had to close the, <laughs> the door because of the rain. Imagine a flying bike yes, just outside. on a very quiet night. I mean, this is like the smallest of plot holes that exist. Oh, I know there is more throughout, coming. <laughs> throughout the there is more coming. book series. Hagrid comes down with little Harry, who is sleeping, and right before that happens, do you remember what Professor Dumbledore tells Professor McGonagall about Hagrid? Yeah, he, which is one moment where like the relationship between Hagrid and Dumbledore is kind of created. He tells her that he would trust Hagrid with his own life. And that's that's impressive for someone like Dumbledore to say, right? Like, even though you don't know him, someone's saying that, you understand that they must have a pretty, pretty good relationship. Or that Hagrid is more powerful than Dumbledore. Yeah, I never thought about <laughs> that, but it's not possible. Um, either way, yeah, that's that's really important. And another relationship that's created there is between Harry and Hagrid. We see that like Hagrid has saved Harry from the ruins of his house and he has brought him here and they have kind of created this connection. Well, it's a one-way connection right now. And Hagrid cannot stop crying when they put the baby at the doorstep. Maybe because he knows the coyotes will come and get him. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if anybody can keep the coyotes away, is Hagrid. Sure, so. sure. Another character that we are introduced to, not directly, but indirectly, in the books, not in the movie yet, is Sirius Black. Sirius Black was the guy that landed his own bike to Hagrid to transport Harry. And just so that we mention this for people who maybe are not all the way caught up with all the movies, Sirius Black is Harry Potter's godfather. 
and he is gonna be an important character in the upcoming movies and books but not not quite yet one other thing I'd like to mention before we move away from this scene and we fast forward a few years is uh, kudos to the filmmakers for being consistent with the way that baby Harry looks in the first Harry Potter movie and in the last one yeah, there's a it's flash impressive there's a flashback in the last one as and, and the baby character they the baby actor they chose to portray Harry is almost very very similar I thought they they probably used CGI in that they did not I read about it and it's a different it's a different baby oh, okay but it's very good. So, well done. We're going to give kudos where kudos are due, and we're going right. to give criticism. Let's this move on to the part one, yeah. next part. The next scene in the movie is in the future. It's, I would say, nine years in the future, don't you think? Yeah, something like because that. Because Harry is almost two years old, or it's over one year old, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's just over one. So, it's about nine years later or yeah. so in the future. And in this second scene, we are introduced to Dudley Dursley, a very spoiled brat who is also a bully. And on his birthday, he harasses everyone, not just Harry Potter, but his parents as well. Yeah. Take it off. I, I think they overdo it a little bit with the Dursleys. And it's not the movie's fault. It's more the fault of J.K. Rowling. Like, she just made them horrible in every sense of the world. Do you think Rowling was thinking of somebody from her past when she wrote these characters probably because she's very detailed yeah, yeah yeah i mean she had to draw inspiration from somewhere either way like the this part in the in the movie is good and like it ends like this this kind of next build up and scene it ends with them going to the zoo right it it does yeah, so like it's the whole Dudley's birthday thing. Um, and I think in this one, things feel a little rushed. So in the book, you're kind of introduced that Harry has these special abilities. Sometimes like Aunt Petunia will cut his hair, but they will grow immediately. That is true. He'll be found like in the top of the gym building at the school yep. when Dudley's gang was chasing him. So we have a little bit more of a background as to what Harry's abilities are and how he is treated. But here we just start and like we get Uncle Vernon saying, hey, you better not do anything funny. But we haven't seen him do anything funny, you know. I agree. but We, I we don't expect anything to happen. I agree, but I think this is also one of the good things that they did with the movie because they cannot just do that. In, in, there's not enough time to do that. Plus, sure. even in the book, they were not showing these as episodes one after the other. They were showing them when they are introducing the characters yep, yep. as something that have happened in the past. So for how much time they have to fill all this information in, I think they did quite a, an impressive job. Yeah, I think it was a good job. I just think like compared to the book, maybe just a little rushed. Watching this yesterday, I could not help but think, how did Harry Potter turn out so good after practically being raised by he the He's the protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> well, other than that, right? Because he does not have any recollections of his parents. He knows nothing about his past. He's raised by the Dursleys. And he's uh, treated in a very horrible way, I would say, or not so good, at least from what we see in the movie. And now, becoming a little serious, uh, 
his arch enemy, which is Lord Voldemort, had his a... actual enemy, not arch enemy. Actual enemy. Yeah. Had Voldemort had a similar past. He was an orphan. He was brought up in an orphanage. He had magical abilities. He did not have the love of a family like maybe other kids did, but yet he was not treated as bad as Harry Potter was. Yeah, and yet true. he turned out more evil. Well, Despite the connection that they share in the sense of, you know, Harry had some of Voldemort within him. You'd think that with that and with Dursis treating him that badly, he would have just murdered them on day one. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there is a, a theme, you know, it comes up in book two and follows throughout all the books about you your choices making who making you who you are not where you come from not how you were raised but what choices you make another thing that i noticed another difference between the book and the movie is that dudley supposed to have blonde hair also he's supposed to have a friend with him but you know <laughs> we all make concessions <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, do you prefer Dudley with blonde hair like he is in the book? No, I, I, I prefer my Dudley. <laughs> the, the movie Dudley, yeah. I like, I like Dudley the way he was uh, portrayed in the movie too. Let's move to the third scene for today. This is the one in which they go to the zoo because it, it is Dudley's birthday. And what happens in the zoo is quite a bit... Uh, first, Harry Potter talks to a snake. Then he sets the snake free. And then he decides to put Dudley up for display <laughs> and put him where the snake was and put the glass back up. Well, he didn't decide to. He kind of accidentally did all of these. I was just being funny. Which is like <laughs> Harry's signature to accidentally do things. Accidentally stab a basilisk. <laughs> uh, as I was watching this, from a filmmaking perspective, even though I know this is your area of expertise, is of that... Of course, of course. I have my, my film critique hat on. <laughs> is that... It's a little big on me. <laughs> this movie has a lot of colors. You might think, well, it has as much color as any other movie, and you probably are right, but I'm comparing it to the rest of the movies in the series. It starts literally getting darker. I'm not talking in the future, in the other movies. I'm not talking about just the theme, but literally there's not enough colors. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the what what distinguishes the first two movies from the rest is that there is colors, and yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah, it, like the rest of the movies, it's like they were done by Zack Snyder. But the other thing I noticed was, or a question I have, this is where I'm trying to ruin for myself, and I'm trying to find explanations. How did the zoo, the management of this zoo in London, how did they possibly explain to the parents of this, well, innocent child i mean he was not you know innocent but he was innocent that their kid ended up being up for display where a snake used to be and now the window is uh, sealed well imagine like you try and think of ways how to close plot holes in an imaginary series <laughs> imagine like how a parent or a manager would close such loopholes <laughs> in real life you know, they could probably just find the easygoing explanation and just be like, yeah, that, that's that. Makes sense. And before we move to the next scene, I have a pop-up quiz. How Hit many me. 
how many presents did Dudley get and how many did he get the year before? The year before he got 36. This year he was supposed to get 37. I think that he got 36. And last year, last year, that's how he says it. But last year, last year, I got 37. Yeah. And then his father says, well, some of them were bigger than last yeah, year's. Yeah. So I think he got 36 this year and 37 yeah, last I think, year. I think the way you said it makes sense. But let's move on to scene four. I'd like to call this scene the cupboard under the stairs. Because this is the scene where I think Harry Potter got his first letter in the mail. And and see, like, that's another thing that was built up in the move, in the books, but not the movie. Like, in the books... They say, like, oh, Harry was always waiting for some long-lost relative to come and pick him up from the Dursleys or someone to call him, but no one had contacted. So, like, when you get that first letter in the book, it is much more rewarding to the reader than this letter now. You know, now you're just like, oh, Harry's going to pick up the mail. I really like the way that they did the owl delivery, though. They were very true to form the CGI or whatever method they used there. I think it was really, really well done. Like starting from the first letter to like when all the letters coming. I think that is really, really well done. One thing that you may have missed and let me know if you noticed or not. When Harry goes in the living room after he gets the very first letter, what is Petunia doing? I don't know. Petunia is in the kitchen and she has this big bucket of water and a piece of oh, wood yeah, yeah, yeah. and she is, she is dying basically hair is dying hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hair not hair sorry I mean, clothes his hair uniform clothes. Yeah. right because she's using I think one of Dudley's old uniforms yep because Harry is supposed to go to a muggle school not old uniform I think it's old clothes or old she's clothes she's just dying them gray yeah. because they have to be a certain color to and they're like way too big on him Exactly. Yeah. And they never address this in the movie. Yeah, but it's they talk about it in the book. In the book yeah. But I'm so glad watching it yesterday that she is doing this in the background. Yeah. So if thank you. You're welcome. I have watched this movie for what is now twenty years, no, eighteen years. And now you caught And this is the details. first time I caught that. Congratulations. <laughs> Let's move on to the next scene. The next scene I'd like to call no more mail in the letterbox. Something like that. This is the part where letters keep coming because, hey, they know that Harry is not getting these letters, all right? So what Vernon decides to do is just seal the mailbox. Just shut it so letters cannot come through it. And you see that Harry is in his cupboard just watching and he's very sad and very depressed. One thing I noticed is that Vernon is wearing a super duper thick sweater it almost looks like uh like a christmas sweater it's and the uk the weather there it's i've is been always bad it is rainy i've been there it, it's rainy it's foggy but in july you do not need a sweater and this is supposed to be in july these events are supposed to happen in yeah, july yeah, true. so i think i mean it looks nice and good but i think that's something that they probably miss don't you think I think that I, I don't know if they missed it or if it just looked good for the camera. And then maybe we'll... they have AC in their house, you know, like Petunia likes it colder and <sighs> Vernon wants to wear a I'm just Thank trying you. To Thank you. Yes, it. that's good. Right, Thank now you. Now I explained it. Let's now let's move on to the next scene. The next scene is 
again, silly number four, private drive, a few days in the future, the letters keep coming, and then you move into this scene where Vernon is literally frustrated. His hair is all over the place. And he says that Sunday is the best day of the week. And Dudley because has there's no idea. No post on Sunday. And Harry knows the answer to that while he's feeding Vernon biscuits. And then the living room is flooded with letters coming from their chimney. And Harry, as you said, struggles to get one, not from the floor, but from the ceiling. Yeah. Dumb choice. Do you think... I don't remember. Is this line in the in the books that the one that Dudley says, "Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he?" I think I think it's something like that, something similar to that, uh, where Vernon is is wrestling with Harry. It's something similar. I don't know if it's exactly those same words, but yeah, like there they decide to go to a cabin and just try to escape for a while. And now you're leading us into scene seven which I like to call the island. This is the scene where they go in the middle of nowhere, hoping that nobody will find and no letters will follow them behind. But were they wrong? This scene opens up with everybody sleeping on the floor. Well, not on the floor. Everybody's sleeping. Harry is sleeping sleeping on on the floor floor next to Dudley, who's sleeping on a couch. It seems like it's a cold night. They're in the middle of an island. Even if it's summer, it gets cold. You can see it's cold. And Harry knows it's his birthday and he draws a cake on the sand blows the candles and something loud just that scene just makes me sad i think they did it so well like this is a part where the movie did it better than the book or like the visualization of it you know just with like a few seconds of screen time you can understand like how his birthday is not celebrated and how hard it is to be him and living with the dursleys yeah 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 Here's the other thing. They're preventing Harry to go to Hogwarts, right? They don't want him to have anything to do with magic. If they really want to get rid of him, if they don't like him, why don't they just let him go? Well, I think they don't like magic. I, I don't know. It's, they don't it's like magic, not, but... It's not that well explained. Preventing Harry from going doesn't mean that magic is going to stop existing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, pop quiz. What is Harry Potter's birthday? Uh, July 31st. And the year? 1982, I believe. 1980. 80, okay. And do you know that he shares the same birthday, well, not the year, but the same birth date and, and month with J.K. Rowling? I, I didn't know that. You did or you didn't know? I did. Yes, they. she's born also on July 31st. I believe the year is 1965. Cool. So, Harry Potter... As of now, or as of this year, he was going to turn in our real world and time uh, 41 years old. I feel old. This July. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, this is the part of the movie or today's episode for which I have most of the notes. Because so much happens in this part. This is really where the two worlds connect for a little bit. The muggle world and the wizarding world. And then basically Harry is given a choice. And he chooses to go into the... Into anywhere but the Dursleys. Anywhere but the Dursleys. This is how bad it was. Uh, it was for him. Uh, but before we get to that part, you know, I want to uh, emphasize one thing. When Hagrid first comes in, which is kind of a scary part, actually, right? We don't, we don't, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know who he's going to be. Yeah, you don't know. Is it a good guy? Is it a bad guy? Until we see that it's Hagrid. And then it's like, oh, yeah, this is a good guy. We know him. 
from two years or nine years ago yep. <laughs> when he dropped him off. You know, he goes to Mr. Dursley and while Dursley is basically telling him that you're trespassing, please leave. He basically bends Dursley's rifle. Yep. And you, since you understand this area, again, quite a bit more than me, how is it possible that when somebody fires a bullet through a crooked rifle, it just shoots straight up? It, no, it is possible. There actually used to be guns that were bent guns that were supposed to shoot bullets from corners without you actually being there. But like after a few shots, like it becomes so bad, it's basically unusable. So that part is actually doable. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that part is actually doable. I, but you can like the gun won't fire if you just bend it like. Dursley had to pull the trigger so I guess Dursley was trying to like well he pulled the trigger maybe like after the gun was bent out of fear mm. but yeah it is possible well thank you for that explanation I meant to ask you that yesterday but I know how you feel when I talk during the movie <laughs> Hagrid struggles to find Harry but he eventually finds out who the right Harry Potter is in that room yeah. and he gives him a present I and another thing, like when he finds Harry, you know, there is no, we, we get another hint that is mentioned in the book, but also in the movie. Harry looks a lot like his dad. So that's why when he sees Harry, he is like, oh, of course it's you. Of course you. you are. Yeah. Of course it is you. And he hands him a present, which from what I understand, it is the first birthday cake that Harry has ever gotten in his life. Yep. And that part almost puts tears in my eyes it's a handmade cake from Hagrid uh, there's a lot of misspellings yeah I think which is, which is like in line with what what is in the book in the book yeah it is a little funny that an upcoming uh, important professor of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry uh, has trouble spelling things yeah. like happy birthday but i also love yeah, it dumbledore's choices i know <laughs> for for the staff are the best we'll Fantastic. talk about that definitely now we are getting into what i would like to call the most important line at least not maybe of the movie or of the whole series but for sure of these first 20 minutes that we're talking about and that line is you're a wizard harry oh uh, yeah <laughs> i See, like, that's the line that I remember, right? But while watching the movie yesterday, I, I noticed that Hagrid starts by asking Harry, do you know anything about Hogwarts? Like, or, or he, he talks to him as, as if he knows Hogwarts. And Harry doesn't know anything about Hogwarts. Nothing. And he doesn't know that he's a wizard. And I was like, oh, why didn't he start by telling Harry that you're a wizard? And I was like, that's dumb. Like... You know, Hagrid would expect Harry to already know that he's a wizard and things like that. And I like the, the little disbelief when Harry says, you know, oh, me, I'm not a wizard. I'm just Harry. I think what is a turning point and basically makes Harry believe him is because Vernon and Petunia do not say, nope, this is not true. Yeah, there is not the not not objecting to any of this universe. Just saying that existing. we're going to put a stop to it yep and i think harry says oh if they don't want me to go there and if they don't want me to be happy that must be true yeah, yeah. and i think that's kind of pushes yeah, I mean, I, i'm going yeah i'm going you could have told him we're going to a dumpster and he'd have, <laughs> <laughs> he'd have gone yeah in the movie in the beginning 
we don't know exactly what happened to his parents, what the dynamics were. But I didn't know for a long time, probably until the seventh book and the deleted scenes from the seventh movie, part one, that Petunia was in the know more than what I expected she would be in the know about what happened to her sister, to Lily Potter. I think we find out in books like five. Was it book five? Yeah. Oh, it was book five. You're yes. right. I think I think you're I think you're correct. But in the first movie, all she says is that, you know, her sister blew got herself up, blown, blown up. up. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah, I what think th- Dumbledore put it up on a letter. You know everything. But in the first movie, they don't hint at that. Yeah, they, they just don't. say yes. Petunia did not tell Harry that his parents, you know died in the magical world doing magical things yep uh, they just told him that you know they died in a car crash and that's it now in this part even though there is only a few minutes quite a few things are introduced for example hagrid calls vernon a great muggle like yourself yeah and they did a very good job when they filmed the movie because they said muggle and Hagrid explains what a muggle is. Yep. So they give a definition of the non-wizard folks called muggles in a very conversational yeah, style. Harry is basically great. used to explain the magical world to the viewer. We are also told by Hagrid again that Albus Dumbledore is the greatest wizard of all times. Yeah, and I, to never insult Albus Dumbledore. Again, in it front shows of that Hagrid. they have a strong bond, yeah. those two. It's true. And the Hogwarts obviously is introduced for the first time in, in this. Hogwarts, Hogwarts. Teach us something, please. <laughs> I'm just surprised at Vernon, you know. He acts like he has seen this Albus guy in the past. And yeah. Like, you know, he despises him and yeah. he calls him old and fool. Or... Crackpot old fool. <laughs> Crackpot old fool. It's like, I mean... That's it's so British. And so Vernon. Yeah. And so Vernon. Also, the scene ends with Dudley uh, trying, to, well, not trying, actually enjoying Harry's cake. Yeah. I mean, this tells you how uninterested this guy is. He could not think of anything else but just eat Harry's cake. They had eaten just chips for dinner. <laughs> so to be fair, you know, I, I wouldn't blame the guy. But... Would you blame Hagrid for giving him a pig's tail? No, totally deserved. And please help me with the loophole, Phil. I know in the book they explain it that they go and they have it surgically removed. But how do you go to the hospital? You, you just give with the, the doctor, kid? You give the doctor an extra $100. You <laughs> to, just, to you just the, wink twice. And you think the doc, don't you think the doctor would be would not be professionally curious as to why how does somebody grow a pig's tail well it's the uk you know they have (laughs) they have this (laughs) the the health insurance they just don't care you go in it's public health care it's free (laughs) you just go in so how long do you think you had to wait in line oh probably six months (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well they maybe like took him to a private doctor uh, are private doctors love i I don't did not have to use the hospital there so i don't know So, as I mentioned, this scene introduces us to a lot of characters, a lot of terms, a lot of details about the wizarding world and the relationship they have with the Marvel world. One other thing that we are introduced to, but it is elaborated way more in the second movie, is that Hagrid is not allowed to use magic. Yeah, true. I just mentioned, when I first heard that, I thought, like, 
maybe he's not allowed to use magic outside of school in the muggle world yeah and and i thought and i thought you know that's dumb like why did you become a wizard but not be able to use any of the skills outside of school right right but then we learned that you know hagrid cannot use magic for different reasons but he has an umbrella that he keeps with him so anyway harry decides to put an end to his misery and just go and join this stranger into this in the Journey. middle of the night in a rainy day with in the a, middle of an island yeah yeah with waves crashing in the boat yep. and you know he just leaves imagine it's... how scary the like sea is at night so anyway harry leaves and we move on into the last scene that we're going to talk about in today's episode and that is what i call the leaky cauldron this is the first time that we are introduced to the leaky cauldron in london and the first and last time, unfortunately, that we are introduced to my favorite version of the bartender, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow they change him for, I'd like to say the worst, in the third movie. We'll talk more about that later. But once not, he walks... Not just for the worst. They change him for no reason, you know? Like, um, I'm sure they had change. reasons. I'm sure they had yeah. reasons. But I don't think it was a good change that they did in the third movie. But anyway, this is an environment full of wizards and witches. You can see that the dress code is different. The, the setup is different. And after Her Hagrid says the name Harry Potter, the room goes silent. Everybody knows Harry Potter. Yep. So this is the first hint that Harry Potter is famous. And we have a very important introduction. Yeah, to Quirrell, right? It is between Harry Potter and Professor Quirrell, who has some fun thing hidden behind his head. <laughs> Yeah, and that's another change that I like from that the movies make compared to the books. Because in the book, like, Voldemort is not attached to Quirrell's head until, like, the middle of the book. And, like, after Quirrell messes up one of his attempts to get the Sorcerer's Stone, then they kind of merge together. But here it is hinted that they merge together, like, from that point, because Quirrell refuses to shake Harry's hand. You know, because, yep. like, touching him, I'd, like, you know, burn him or something. Which which is kind of a loophole, because it's not like Quirrell knew, you know, what would happen if he touched Harry. But it's kind of a hint to the audience, which was pretty cool, I think. I agree. And one thing that I want to mention here, just because it is addressed in the books later, but I don't think it is addressed in the movie, or not as much, at least unless the viewers themselves figured it out, is that the position of the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher in Hogwarts, which currently is taken by Professor Quirrell in the first movie, is cursed by Voldemort. Yeah. So that nobody can hold that position for more than a year. And this holds true in the books and in the movies. That's, yeah, that's his best spell. That's, <laughs> that's the, the, the only plan that Voldemort has like worked out. And it worked out. That was the first introduction to Professor Quirrell. We'll for sure hear and see more of him later. The scene ends with them going on a different side of the Leaky Cauldron. Hagrid does some kind of tapping of the bricks in the wall. And we are introduced to an actual Wizarding World area. I, I, love, the I love that part of the movie, especially when I was little and watching it. Like watching the wall just open up. I tried it at home <laughs> with my umbrella. <laughs> Our wall didn't open up. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it did not. 
right before this happens, you know, Harry starts realizing, hey, Hagrid, why am I famous? Why does everybody know my yeah. name? And he's like, I'm not the one to tell you that. And then boom, they move into this world and the music kicks in. And it's magical. And it's magical. And we're going to talk about that in the next episode. But I think that brings us to the end of our first episode. What I've decided to do is that at the end of every episode, we're going to, based on what we talked, we're going to choose one memorable line, preferably a short one, and then give that to our episode's title. Name our, t- our episode after that. What is your... I'm going to go with you first. What is your... There is no post on Sunday. Really? Yeah, we use it so much We do, but Sundays. Not, we do. When we that, check the mail. Yeah, that's my favorite one. Okay. My favorite line is... You're a wizard, Harry. Yeah. Either way, that's the episode for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Leave us a like to bump up that algorithm suggestions and the comment and the subscribe and whatever. All right. We will see if we like what we have recorded. And if we did, we will post it. And if we still like it, we're going to move on to a second episode with 20 more minutes of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Until then, stay safe and wear a mask and wash your hands.